0: Thank you for coming, I appreciate it. Thank you, the Sephardic youth minion of Ocean Avenue, of Flatbush. Baruch Hashem. thank you Hashem. Being a Sephardi is the best. Thank you Hashem for making me Sephardi. Life gonna get better, honestly, life gonna get better. When I drove here, something very unusual happened. Before I start my speech, let me tell you something, something very unusual. It's a fascinating thing, how a person can live day in, day out, with so much berachan, so much blessings from God himself, but one doesn't notice it. Day in, day out. When I drove here, and I was driving safely, for those who know me, I drive like like a very, very old man type, I drive very, very safe, because I learned it the hard way, after speeding too much. So now I drive very slowly, the car in front of me on the highway almost hit me. Now what's this guy's problem? You know, so if you don't have emuna, then you start screaming, "Insurance ah, ah. sure this, insurance that, oh my gosh, I have to go to New York. But a person who has emuna, Hashem just gave me a gift. Hashem just gave me a matana to overcome chaos and get a reward. I once met a person in Deal, New Jersey. This person is very wealthy. I should him only He donates to a lot of causes. So I went to fundraise by him for one thing, and he takes me to his warehouse. He has this massive warehouse in Asbury Park, New Jersey. For those who know Asbury Park, it's not the best, it's not the best place to live in Asbury Park. That place is uh, full of crime, full of Democrats. You don't want to go there. <laughs> so basically, I went there to see his warehouse. And he shows me around, what do I see? (laughs) I couldn't believe my eyes, everything is secondhand. He had secondhand, like the fans were secondhand, the ACs were secondhand, he had uh, micros in there, he had uh, the smooth machine, whatever you call it, uh, the milkshake thing, the blender, everything was secondhand. Then he opens up this huge crate, he's like, listen, listen, this I just got from the warehouse. He opens it up, that huge thing, and I see even more junk. So I don't understand. You're a wealthy guy, you're a millionaire, look at that millionaire. What are you selling these things for? Because you don't understand, there's a lot of companies that they have items that are broken a little bit that they can't sell in the stores anymore. It's not a perfect product, so it can't be on the shelf. And they don't want to keep it in storage either. So what do I do? My business is, I take their broken stuff, quote unquote, that are still usable but broken, and they don't want to pay for storage. So they give it to me for free, and I sell online on eBay. You know how many people buy secondhand things? And this guy became a millionaire from junk. I thought <laughs> to myself, what a beautiful for life, parable for life. How many times has Hashem send us tests? nusyonot, throughout the day, the week, the month, the year. You walk in the house and you thought the house will be one way, the house is a whole different way. Baruch Hashem for our wife and kids. You start driving, and you thought the drive will be smooth, but it was not smooth. It looks like junk. It looks like, come on, what do I need this for? But Hashem is giving you an opportunity to turn that junk and whoosh, turn it into gold and make millions off it. Every test that Hashem throws on you, and you overcome, you turn it into sechal, into reward forever and ever and ever and ever. Just like this guy is taking secondhand junk products and he turns them into millions of dollars. How many opportunities do we have with all the tests that Hashem gives us to flip it around, control ourselves, not be because, control our mouth, our pet, control our minds, our eyes, and we can turn everything into opportunities forever and ever and ever to get rewarded and make a Kiddush Hashem. Do you agree to the mashal? yes or no? Yes? Agrees to this Isn't it a beautiful mashal? What a nice applicant to look in life. It's not that tests are, are obstacles. Tests are there for a person to grow more and more and more. You know, I read a beautiful letter. And please remember to get to my speech, Rabbi. Talking about Shlom bite You know, first I'll tell you a story about Shlom bite This is a tremendous story. You'll be shocked that it actually happened in our times. This story was sent over by Reb Chaim Zeid. Rucham is a rabbi and said in Bin He said this over, even though it's not Pesach. I'll say it anyways because it's a beautiful story. You know, in Judaism, it's all the same. Chanukah has Pesach, Pesach is Porim, Porim is Shavuot. Everything is all the same. Everything is about a khadujara. Everything's about God. So I'll share with you a beautiful story. He said he gave a lecture in B'nei Brach. His driver drove him home, and he's a single Bakr, a single guy. Before he jumps up the Rabbi by his apartment building, doesn't but Rabbi, you don't care about me. The rabbi tells him, God forbid, why are you saying that? He tells him, what do you mean? I'm already an older single guy, and I'm not married yet. You're not finding a mesheduch? The rabbi said, you know what? I have to put my mind into it more. I'm going to start looking out for a girl for you. I'm going to start praying for you. He takes that in his Hebrew name. Okay. The rabbi leaves the car. He goes up the stairs in his apartment building, and he remembers that his neighbor next door in the apartment building, a Moroccan family, the way he described it, has an older single girl. Okay. He decides, you know what, I'm going to knock on the door, even though this house is extremely busy, and you don't want to talk to anybody in the middle of cleaning for Pesach. No one is in the mood to knock on the door for a shiduch now. The rabbit wasn't sure, but he said, you know what, I'm going to do my yishtadlut. He knocks on the door, and what does he see under the door? He sees, he sees paint going under the door. And look, he's standing outside, he sees something like spilling under. He saw beige paint. And he says, what's going on? Why is there paint slipping under the door? Spilling under the door? But he's knocking, he's knocking. And listen to what happened to Abba a tremendous story. Listen to this. Before the rabbi finished the lecture, let's rewind two hours before. Before the rabbi finished the lecture, before he was dropped off to go to his apartment building, let me tell you the story what happened to the paint that spilled onto the door. The mother was cleaning the house of Pesach. Cleaning the apartment. She tells one of her sons, your job is to take care to this closet. You clean that closet. Okay? The little boy goes and listens to his mother, cleans her Pesach, he cleans the closet. What was in that closet? Paint. Buckets of Paint. He starts cleaning, but he moves, you know, skin. he moves the buckets of paint. As he's moving everything, he decided for some reason, this boy, that the best place to keep them while he's cleaning the closet, the buckets of paint, is the middle of the living room, on the carpet. As he's cleaning the closet, one of his older siblings comes, boom, knocks the paint on the floor, opens up, uh, the paint spills all over the place. Now imagine this scene in your house, Abba a day or two days before Pesach paint spills all over your carpet and your couches, woo! What a test. What a nesayon ribonoshul shalom. The son is scared, the kids are scared. The mother walks out of the bedroom, let's the story with the store. the mother walks out of the bedroom, She says, Ooh. Oh gosh, you don't want to mess with her at that point. You know what? <laughs> right before Pesach, you don't want to mess. The husband didn't know what to do. The mother says, you know what? I'm going to take a walk outside. Before I start screaming, I want to take a walk. She leaves the house, boom, closes the door. And of course, it's not her fault. I'm not judging her by the way. I'm not being one of those. She goes outside and she says, that she said a tefillah. She said, our neighbor, Rabbi Chaim Zeid, the speaker, the rabbi, always talks about that a person should always overcome the test of anger. And when you overcome a test of anger, even though it's hard, Hashem gives so much berecha, so much blessings. So she david to Hashem, Hashem, I'm about to go crazy. It's a hard test. Please give me the strength, the koach, not to be because Not only not to be angry, but I want to go to the other extreme. I want to be happy. Help me do it. She goes upstairs. She opens the door. And she, and she said that she saw her husband. And her kids, like, all around them, like, all like, ah, like what's, what's going to be next over here? What does she do? She tells them, mishpacha, family, let's dance. And they all start dancing together, and they're dancing. Can you imagine the scene? Two days before Pesach, one day before Pesach, paint on the floor, and the family is dancing and dancing. Thank you, Hashem, for mitzvah. Thank you, Hashem, over v'ka And they're dancing. As they're dancing, who's knocking on the door? Rabbi Chaim You just get jumped off? He sees paint on the door. They open the door. They see the family is dancing. What's going on? Can you imagine the scene? What in the world is going on? Tells them, listen, I want to talk to you. Told the father, I want to talk to you. I think I have a shidduch for your older single daughter. It's like, no problem. They go outside. They take a walk. They think it's a shidduch. They both call each other's rabbis. And they made up that they're going to start dating. Pesach. So this happened, what, one or two days before Pesach? The oldest single boy that drove the rabbi or dropped him off started dating the oldest single girl from the apartment with a paint spill. Cholamot Pesach, now get married. they started dating. They started dating, and Baruch Hashem, Rabatay, this couple got married. Look at that! Mm. Random applause for such a story. Unbelievable. <speaking> this couple got married, and Sezer B'Chaim Zaid by the wedding, by the wedding hall, they took the empty bucket of paint and they hung it like on the door. So everybody should know when you walk in, it's B'shut overcoming such a test. And I was Simcha. look, Hashem gave us a Yeshua, Hashem gave us a beracha, and now my single daughter is married, this single boy, Baruch Hashem, got married. So every time a test comes towards your way, Hashem is giving us, and I'm talking to myself, an opportunity for more beracha, more shefa, more simcha, so many opportunities. And you know, I always wonder, I feel bad for the people that already passed away. Because they can't accomplish much. In this world, there's so much to accomplish. There's so much opportunities. There's so much to grab. Which leads me to finally what I prepare. Okay, now I'm going to say what I prepare. There's a famous question. Right now, we are preparing for the day of the Shavuot. The famous Chag, Chag Shavuot Matan Torah. Now we're counting the Yemei Svirat We're counting day one, day two, day three. The famous question is, usually, when you look forward to something, let's say when, when somebody gets married, and you have a wedding date, you count down. We said there's two months after the wedding, a month and a half left after the wedding, one month after the wedding, because you just want to get married. When you look forward to something, you don't count up. You count down, because you want to get rid of the days between you and your destination of the date that you want to happen already. Let's say going on a big trip. You're going to Florida, or you're going to Cancun, and you can't wait. It's so exciting. The days in between are just, you know, they're in the way. They can get annoying. But when it comes to you, you may all mail. When it counts, when it comes to counting for Matan Torah where we receive the Torah in Har Sinai, we count up. We say one day of the Omer, two day of the Omer, three day of the Omer. We don't count 49 and down. We actually go up. Why? The answer is Abitai, a beautiful answer and it's a huge lesson for life that Hashem taught us over here. The Torah tells us you always got to live for the moment. There's no such thing as living for a week for now, mm-hmm. or today is a good day only because in one month big news is going to happen. Today is an awesome day because tomorrow will be better. You know, like Israelis love to say, and I'm an Israeli. Ye tof, ye tof. What I mean, a person can't live with it, can always say it will be good. Then he never alive. If a person doesn't appreciate the life that he has now, he's always waiting for the next day and crying about what happened, then he never lives the moment. There's no way that's how Hashem wants us to live. So the reason why we count up to Matan Torah, one day of accomplishment, two days of accomplishment, three days of accomplishment, because Hashem wants to teach, us to teach us here a lesson. A person needs to appreciate every day that he has. There's no such thing that the days are in your way to receive the Torah. The opposite, every day is a buildup to get to the Torah because every day is valuable by itself. Every single day that we have, Hashem gives us life, is full of opportunities to get close to him. If a person is always gonna live about what's gonna happen, or I'm gonna be happier next week, then a person that person is not alive. A person has to appreciate the moments of life that he has every single day. There's actually a question in the Puskim, said. We know that if one guy, if a person misses one blessing on Sefirat omel, one night and then full day, he doesn't remember to count the proper day that he can't count with the Berecha the whole Sefirat omer. You miss one night, one twenty-four hours, you miss it, the counting, the right counting, you can never count with the Berecha. You can say, with that a and you do what you want, but with the Berecha you can't. The Chida was one of the main Poskim that we have, the rabbis, he says, I have a simple question. Then why is anyone allowed to start counting the Omer? Because you never know, Let's, we should all live to 120 years, but the Chida is asked the question that you never know. How does a guy know that he's not going to pass away in the middle of the Yimei ha-omel? And if he passes away in the middle of the Yimei then all the berechot he made until now, because he didn't finish all the days of the Omel, will be a bechad of a tla, will be a bechad of nothing. What does the chidah answer? It's a mistake to ask such a question. Because every day that you're alive, you're doing the utmost that you can. Every single day, kol yom v'yom, you do the utmost that you can. So the reason why we can't up to the Omer and not down, is because Hashem wants to tell us, every single day, cherish it and use it. Don't live for Matan Torah. Don't live today only for Matan Torah. Live for the day that you have right now. Yes, preparing for Shavuot for Matan Torah is a mitzvah, but it's a mitzvah of the day that you're alive right now, not only because it would be a mitzvah in two weeks when you receive the Torah. Who else lived like that? Rabbi Akiva, tremendous thing. Do you know what it means right now in these days? As you can tell, no haircuts, we can't shave, we're sitting in Avrilut. we're mourning, unfortunately, the 24,000 students of Rabbi Akiva that passed away at this time period in history. Now try to imagine what that means, 24,000 students. Imagine of Chaim Kenievsky, the G'dolodod that we just had, Chacham Ovad Yosef, the Ben Ishchai, the Chafetz Chaim, they were all tremendous, huge, huge rabbis at tzaddikim, that had a major impression on the whole generation, imagine 24,000 of them, a hundred times bigger and more righteous, all passed away. 24,000! How depressing and sad would that be? 24,000 of them, time. You know how much darkness came to the world? You know how sad that is? When Chacham passed away, it was a very, very sad time. We lost our leader. We're like, what's next? Who's going to lead us? What's going to be? It was a very sad kufa. Can you imagine 24,000 tzaddikim, tamideh all passed away at the same time period? You know how sad that was? And that's what we're mourning right now. To be in Avilu, to be a mourning of the 24,000 giants of Torah that we lost. However, what did Rebbe Akiva do? The Gemara tells us that Rebbe even though it sounds easy and even though we heard our whole lives, Rabbi Akiva, even though he lost so much Tamidim, can you imagine building an empire? Imagine your whole life, you work on building a synagogue. You start off in a basement, you get a minion, you make this, you, make, you collect money to build a building, finally you get a building, and you work in the crowd, and you build, and you build, and you build. Chas shalom. everything gets taken away. Or you build a yeshiva. Rabbi Akiva built a whole yeshiva. 24,000 Tamidim teaching the Torah. And boom, they all passed away. What does Rabbi Akiva do? Does he say, I, I give up, I did my part? No. Rebbe Akiva, like yep, um, Akiva was exactly the opposite. He said, I'm not giving up. I'm going to go teach Torah to more students, whatever is left. Like. So he had his five students and he taught Torah. And Mahana Shulchan Aruch says that day that he started teaching them Torah, what was that day? Lag Ba'omel. Machot if it's Lag Ba'omel, Lag Ba'omel. But the point is, he started teaching them Torah alag ba'omel. The Achonim, the famous commentator, has asked a simple question. Rabbi Akiva, you lost 24,000 students. Why in the world did you ever think, why did you even think to go try again? Because Rabbi Akiva, Rabbi let's go back in history a little bit. Who was Rabbi Akiva? Rabbi Akiva, like the famous Midrash tells us, an officer of Nasan. Rabbi Akiva at the age of 40, did not know Torah. You know a little chumash? But he did not know Torah. He was not nearly close to Atamil Chacham. He was not where he's supposed to be at the age of 40. One day, he goes next to that creek, or next to, I guess, a water, whatever it is, a waterfall, and he sees a rock, a cellar. And in the cell there was a hole. There was a hole. And he says, how is it possible that a rock, it's so hard, how does it have a hole? And he noticed that Deep, deep, one drop, one drop of water, boom, went inside the cellar and they made a hole. Mm -hmm. Rabbi Akiva told himself, if water, which is so soft, can make a hole in a rock that's so hard, then there's no question, even though I'm 40 years old, if I'm going to start learning Torah a little bit, it's going to make effect in my soft heart. And Rabbi Akiva didn't only inspire himself, he actually kept his word and he started learning Torah. Mm -hmm. And the Midrash goes on, you know how we started he went to a regular little children's pre one school, and he sat with the kids, and they started teaching him Aleph, bed, gimel, they started teaching him all the halachot slowly and slowly, and Rebbe Kiva was ashamed of himself. He told his wife, I don't know, my parents, I don't know. She said, don't, don't worry, go learn, become a tamid chacham. And Rebbe Kiva learned, and he learned, and he learned, and he learned, and who did he become, Rabatai, The famous Rebbe Akiva. What a tremendous lesson. Rebbe Akiva was not a person that said, ah, it's too late. I'm too old, it's not going to happen. Rabbi Akiva is a person that cherished every moment of life. So even though he was already 40, he said, wait a minute, let me stop learning now. It's not too late, as long as you're alive. The same Rabbi Akiva that was so positive about life and cherished every day, is the same Rabbi Akiva that even though he lost 24,000 students, he said, wait a minute, I'm alive, there's more students to teach, let me go for it. And he started teaching the Torah. And by the way, that saved the Torah, Dushah. All the Gemarot that we have in the Torah, B'tay, that saved, they passed on, those five students passed over the Torah to us. Rebbe Kiva saved the day because he was a person that said, it's not too late. Look forward, be positive. You know, the Midrash tells us, why does the Torah start with the letter Bet, Bereshit? Why the letter Bet? There are many answers. One answer the Midrash says, because Bet is Melashon Berakha. In Hebrew, how do you say a blessing? Beracha? How do you call a pool of water? Let's say you want to jump in the pool. Like, it's called brecha, a pool. Says the Midrash. Berecha comes from the word berecha, a pool. Because when you give someone a blessing, you want to tell them Hashem should give you a pool of berecha, more water, more shefa, more panasan, more health. That's a berecha It's called berecha, which is a pool of water. So the Torah started with a letter bet to teach us. When you learn Torah, you give berecha, bet berecha. Second reason why it starts with a letter bet. What is the shape of bet? It's like this. Which means, backwards it's closed. You have that stick over there. Forward it's open, like this. Why says the Midrash? Why start with the letter bet? Because the lesson of the Torah is, the lesson of Judaism is, always, always look forward. Look how much you can accomplish. Don't look how much you already missed. Always look forward and be positive. How much more can I grow as long as I'm alive? That's why it was with the letter bet. Because beta the forward, is always open. In Judaism and life, a person always should want to build and grow. Never say it's too late. Rather say, how much more can I grow? How much more can I build? How much time do I have to learn more Torah and more Torah? That was Rabbi Akiva. Rabbi Akiva did not give up hope. He said, I'm going to go forward, although I lost so many students. I'm going to build myself up. And I'm going to build another yeshiva. And Rabbi it sounds easy, but that's a tremendous inspiration of Rabbi Akiva. Notem, he's an iron Cutler, who started the city of Lakewood. He lost his yeshiva in Europe. I think the yeshiva was in Kletsk. I don't know if I've any had that know the history. Uh, Anybody remember? Arab Cutler had a yeshiva in Kletsk, in Europe. And unfortunately, during the Holocaust, people passed away. Students passed away. The yeshiva was destroyed. So he survived and he came to the U.S. He didn't give up hope. He said, I'm going to build a community full of Torah. And he fought hard. What is that community? Lakewood, New Jersey. Over 12,000 students are sitting and learning Torah as we speak. Rabbi Aaron Cutler lost everything he had, but he didn't give up. He said, I'm going to rebuild the yeshiva in some random town away from Brooklyn, and I'm going to build the yeshiva that people are going to learn Torah. And he fought hard. It wasn't easy fundraising. They say he was an extremely shy person, and Rabbi Aaron Cutler was a very, very shy person. In fact, I know his grandson, Ramakil Cutler, who is now the Rish Yeshiva, they really are shy people. They're very quiet people. They're very reserved people. Sometimes when you talk to them or if they have to scream, their faces turn red. They're very like, you know, shy, very quiet people. Reb Aaron Cutler was like that. He was a very quiet man. Did that stop him from growing and building the biggest yeshiva in America? No! Because when a person looks forward, when a person believes in themselves, when a person knows how much he can accomplish, when you believe in yourself, that's the greatest weapon you can have. percent. 100%. 100%. I want to quote you, for some Americans that will be here, I did some research. See? I'm going to quote you a quote from John Wolfe. Anybody heard of John Wolfe? Famous poet? No one heard of him? Okay. Magic, and I quote you the words, and I wrote it down that because that's so powerful. Magic is believing in yourself. If you can do that, you can make anything happen. Say it again. Magic is believing in yourself. If you can do that, you can make anything happen. How true that is, it's unbelievable. It's unreal. Yeah. When a person believes in himself, you can accomplish so much. What does the Yitzhara do? He tells you, nah, forget about it. It's never going to happen. It's too late. Who do you think you are? You think you can be such a big tzaddik? You think you can make a difference? You think you can do anything? You know, it just happened to me a couple of months ago. I convinced a certain lady to start learning on the phone with somebody. There's something called Torah Meets. Torah Meets is an organization by UA where they match people up who want to learn about Judaism out on the phone and they learn Torah. So, this one of my relatives, one of my aunts, I told her, How about you start teaching Torah on the phone? So, she told me, Me, it's not going to happen. It's, it's, I'm not so good at it. I was like, What does it take to have a conversation in Torah? What's, what's the big deal? Just talking Torah. So, Baruch Hashem, I brainwashed her and it worked. She applied and she started learning Torah on the phone with, with the lady in Long Island. Listen to what happens. They learned for a couple of weeks, and by the way, they're still learning right now. After the first couple of weeks, the lady that she taught started keeping Friday night Shabbat. Tell her she did not keep Shabbat. Now she started keeping Friday night. She's married with children. She never kept She never kept the family period of going to the Mikveh and waiting. Because of my aunt learning with me on the phone, now she keeps tarat mishpacha. See, here's a simple example of a person who tells himself, me, nah, it's not for me, that's for the rabbis, that's for the community rabbis, the speakers, the this, the that, chas is, that is. v'shalom. That's the opposite mindset of Rabbi Akiva. Understand that you make a difference and you can cause good change in the world. But the condition is, you got to believe in yourself. That's the magic. And in believing how much power you have is not like a theory, like a nice motivational speech. I'm telling you reality because you really are capable of a lot. Hashem gave you a Jewish neshama that's so powerful, which leads me to another story. Then I have another story to tell you, so remind me. Just to show you the power of the Jewish neshama. This story happened a couple of years ago and I heard it from Ritzvah Zivristi, even though it happened in America. He said that there was one Rosh that comes collecting an Eretz Said. This Rosh used to have an Israeli driver that was not Shomel Torah Mitzvot. And he would drive him everywhere. After COVID, the Rosh comes to America to raise money. The regular Israeli driver, he calls him up from the airport, he picks him up, he pulls up, he sees a guy, he's wearing a kippah, this guy is wearing tzitzit. The guy became religious, the Israeli guy. He's so happy to see him, you know, Baruch Hashem, we both survived COVID. All right, they get inside the car. So the rabbi told him, listen, what happened? How did you become religious? What's going on? He's like, Rabbi, you're not going to believe what happened. What does this guy do as a living? He's a taxi driver. He's an Uber driver. You can make a lot of money by Uber, by the way, because I get a lot of Uber rides. These guys make, some of these guys make a lot of money. So basically, this guy's an Uber driver. He said, right before COVID, he got a call from a pretty wealthy person. And he said, I want you to drive me, and I'll pay you a lot of money, to a very random place, okay? Where are you? Where am I driving you to and from? From New York, from, it was Westchester, New York. I want you to drive me to Pennsylvania. But not Pennsylvania like the places we know, Philly and stuff, or Bucks County. I want you to drive me to some place that's basically a forest. And you have to park outside the forest, and then you have to walk a shvil, a path. He's a okay, but who, like, what are you doing there? Because, you know... Is this some drug deal? What is this? ISIS? What are you guys doing? Tells them, no, 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 no. Let me tell you what happened. Unfortunately, this caller that called, he was not Jewish, he was a guy. But unfortunately, he has the makhalah, I should never happened to any person, but he has cancer. And he tried everything, and the doctors told him it's not going to happen. However, hope no one's going to Google this afterwards. Don't try this at home. However, there are people in America that do like hijabiji, they do like black magic. Like the, like, I guess like wizards, I don't know what they call themselves, black magic people. And, you know, unfortunately people think it works. So this guy was desperate, you know, we should never have such a test. And he decided, what do I have to lose? The doctors are telling me I'm not going to live. What do I have to lose? Let me try this black magic guy. You know, where does this black magic guy live? He doesn't live in Brooklyn. He lives in some forest in Pennsylvania. Okay, so he told this Uber driver, this Israeli guy, you you're drive me, I'll pay you. He's like, okay, no problem. He picks him up. They drive all the way to Pennsylvania. He takes it to who knows where. He drops off, he gets out of the car. He's like, You wait here. This cancer, sir, so I told him, You wait over here until I'm done. Okay. The Israeli guy said that he uh, closed the door, he closed the windows, he gets in his phone watching movies. He's waiting till the guy's done. Okay. A few minutes later, he got scared. What happened? He hears baking on the door. Bah, 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 bah. Open the door, open the door. He sees his customer, the guy that he drove, is banging on the window to open the door. He opens it, he's like, what happened? What's going on? He's like, are you Jewish? He tells him, yes. Why do you ask? You mentioned how scared that is. He went to the forest. The guy's asking, are you, are you Jewish? Are you Jewish? Yes, I'm Jewish. Do you like follow the Torah? Do you like keep the Torah and all these things? He's like, oh, not really. Do you keep the Sabbath? Oh, not really. He's like, well, the black magic guy is trying to do this black magic thing on me with all the spirits. And he told me that it's not working. And he said that he picked up the couch and this guy was throwing chairs in the room, this black magic. Can you imagine how scared he is? Woo, woo, what's going on over there? And he told me, something is blocking the kochatuma. Something is blocking the impure spirit that I use for my black magic. I don't know what it is. He thought I was Jewish. No, I'm not Jewish. He's like, well, are you friends with any Jews? He's like, not really. Maybe at work, something. He's like, well, there's something going on over here. How did you get here? I have a driver. Find it if he's Jewish. Because his soul, his spirit, is blocking my koachatumah, my black magic power. He goes to the Israeli guy, knocks him and tells him, you have to move 10 miles out. Because as long as you're here, you bring so much kedushah to the area, that tumah, the impure spirits, can't work. The Israeli guy thought himself, if me, just my Shema. this happened in a time in America a couple years ago. He said, if my Shema, if my Jewish soul is so powerful and so holy that it blocks some weird guy from doing black magic, and I don't keep Shabbat, and I don't put on tefillin, how much holier would I be? Can you imagine the power of the neshama that we have with the Torah and the mitzvot and the Shabbat and the tefillin and the Berachot and the katamazon. Can you imagine how much an effect I can make in the world? Do you realize how powerful I am? And that's what he started keeping Torah, mitzvot, and Shabbat. This is really true. That's what he told the rabbi. What an unbelievable lesson, a time. Sometimes a person can forget who he is or she is. You were born Jewish. You know what that means? What does it take to win a lottery? How many people in the world win the lottery already? I don't know. You do the math. Any uh, accountants over here? What are the chances of a person winning a lottery? One out of what? A million? Three percent. Three percent. Okay. Okay. And whatever the chances of you winning the lottery, it is still a tie more than you being born Jewish. What are the chances of you being chosen to be a Jew? Huh? Look at how many in the world. How I many goyimmen live? How I many will live? How I many goyimmen live right now? We won the lottery more than that. We won more than a lottery. What are the chances? Hashem chose us. Hashem literally chose you to come to this world and be a Yehudah, be a son and daughter of a Kaddosh Baruch Hu. There's no greater compliment than reminding who you are, how powerful your Shema is, what your goal is in this world. And that is Torah and Mitzvot. They get close. More Torah and more Mitzvot. If one values who they are, they're going to accomplish a lot more. You value yourself, that's when you start accomplishing more and more and more. You look down at yourself, you tell yourself, oh, it's too late. it's something going to happen. Who do I think I am? You're not going to accomplish a lot. you got to believe in who you are. That's the magic. You have a powerful Neshama. You can accomplish a lot. You know, they say, the Biskar Ralph said over. How much time do I have here? How much longer, Rabbi? Five, ten longer. There's a famous Biskor of, even though I prepared more. You guys have till 12 o'clock? Is that somebody good? Yes. <laughs> the Biskor of said like this. The Biskor said over a story, That one time there was a guy, a rabbi Ben-Evrak, the famous biscuit was a famous rabbi in the last generation. He worked very hard on making a certain teenager religious. He worked hard, he learned with him every day, he brought him for Shabbat meals, but eventually, the guy was not religious. You know, sometimes it just doesn't work. I don't know why, but it just doesn't work. See, he went to the Biskarov and he said, "Everything I did was a waste. Reading a fresh Shabbat meal, learning with them, leaving my wife and kids. He's not religious. He kept Shabbat when I was with them, or he made berachah. He learned at the moment, but you know, I don't see the guy being religious." The Biskarov told him, "Ay, ay, ay! What a mistake you're making! You think mitzvot is a joke?" Do you think one mitzvah is a joke? You know what it means to make another Jew accomplish one mitzvah? You know what it means to make a Jew learn Torah? You know how much value it has? You, he told them, don't understand the value of one mitzvah, so you think because he's right now not fully religious, all of the mitzvah that he did until now doesn't count. The Abyssinian told him, Who do you think you are? You're God? You think you're Hashem? Hashem told us every soon mitzvah is eternal. Every moment of the mitzvah is forever. It's priceless. So all the mitzvah he did because of you was already worth it. You got to live the moment. You got to live the now. Did he accomplish to our mitzvah at that moment? Yes, that's called success. That's called atzlacha. When other people do to at that moment, that's already atzlacha. One has to value one mitzvah that he does. Two mitzvot that he does. Tie, the power. The woman, when you lay had lakat Friday night, you know how much power, how much kedushah you have at that moment? You know how much you can for one another? After Shabbat is over. That's a mission accomplished. That's a, you, you hit the, what's it called? The jackpot. You know how much mitzvot you did in one Shabbat? Not Don't touch mutzah don't cook, don't bank, don't write, don't drive. Learn, learn, bar chasher, more mitzvot. That's a mission accomplished. The Gemara Ketubot tells us that Rebbe Kadosh although he accomplished so much, he still came, even though he passed away, he still came every single Friday night to make kiddush with his family. Says the Malsha Rebbe Kadosh you learned your whole life. You can imagine how big your olama buys your next world. Why would you want to come back to this world Friday night Shabbat? So the Maharsha, one of the main commentators' answers, because at the end of the day, there's nothing like Shabbat. At the end of the day, there's nothing like this world accomplishing mitzvot. Olam haba is great and there's going to be no greater fun than the next world. But to accomplish and build, you only have in this world. The sense of accomplishment, of growth, of saying no to sin and yes to mitzvot, all you have is opportunity in this world. For 120 years, it seems like a long time, but it's a short amount of time for the things you need to accomplish. All you have is this world to accomplish Torah mitzvot. That's why in Judaism, there's no such thing as boredom. Boredom only exists for a person who doesn't understand his value. If you know the value of time, if you know the value of your neshama and how much you can accomplish, then a Jew is never bored. You know, while you're waiting in line at the doctor's office, if you tell yourself, enod milvador your you remind yourself in your mind, Hashem exists, Hashem is here. If you talk to Hashem while you're driving in the car, have a conversation with God, how many moments in the day do we have that we can actually talk to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. When we daven from the Siddur, Shachit, Mincha, and Arvit, it's not the maximum you're supposed to pray, it's the minimum you're supposed to pray. The maximum is, the maximum is always daven to Hashem throughout the day, in any language. You're sitting in traffic, eh? it's not just a red light, it's not just traffic, it's an opportunity to talk to God. Daven for your wife, daven for your husband, daven for your children, have a conversation with God, daven for the Jews and the he said to be safe. Dhamma for people to get married, people to have children who don't have children yet. So many opportunities to accomplish just some sitting in traffic is that you have a board. How can it be? So much time it's so to accomplish. But what happens? One doesn't value the mitzvah of one moment. That's the issue. We have to understand that God is real. Hashem really exists. It's not a joke. Hashem literally exists and is here as we're speaking right now. God really, really, really exists as we're speaking right now. Hashem really is here. And He knows that we came to learn Torah. You think that's a small thing? Getting together for the Muda Torah? There's so many other things to do in the big world. But didn't get together to learn Torah to make a Kiddush Hashem? That itself already makes a big difference for a Torah. You know, a couple of months ago on Lakewood. What's going on over here? I prepared something else. Okay, just for him to go say one thing that I prepared. A couple of months ago on Lakewood. There was a person that wants to start a lecture in their house. So I told him, it's worth it, to start a lecture. Don't worry, I wasn't the speaker, different speakers. Don't worry, I start a lecture. Like, now who's going to show up? 10 people, 20 people? I was like, I'm do it. I'm telling you, just start a lecture. You don't understand the power of Torah. You got to do it. Just do it. Move forward. Okay? They made a lecture and they invited a person, Rabbi Binyamin, Przansky. They invited him, he spoke. While the lecture was happening, listen to this. While the lecture was happening, the mother, Who was in charge of the house to arrange a lecture? Her son got into a very scary crash on Lakewood. His car flipped and he totally survived, not a scratch. And the mother said, I believe strongly. She called me up and she told me, Yaakov, I believe strongly. It's Bishkuta Torah that was said in my house at that moment. She said it was a feeling in her gut. That's where her son survived. The Koch of Torah, the Koch of lectures, the Koch of one moment of mitzvah you got to be like Rabbi Akiva, Rabotai. Always look forward, always build, always accomplish. Never say, I should have done this and this and that. Always say, wow, look how much more time I have to live. How much mitzvot I can accomplish. What a full Shabbat is, what one prayer is, one bracha is. So much mitzvot to accomplish. Life is so awesome. It's so awesome to be a Jew. We're more than just a lottery. We're sons and daughters of Hashem. And I'm going to end up with a story, which leads me to another pshat. but honesty is going to be the last thing, it's going to be the last thing, we never. <laughs> the story is this. There was a fellow, <laughs> there was a fellow, I still have to drive back to Lakewood. Oh, thank you. Amen. Oh, it's seltzer, you it tricked me. thank you. <laughs> This actually reminds me of another story. Wow, I feel like a piece of crone. Let's do this. <laughs> this reminds me of another story that my grandfather said over, he passed away. It's Yosef a Avraham. He was in Sahel. He was in the IDF. And he said that it happened to his friends in one of the wars, I think it was 1967 war, Yom Kippur war in 1973. He says they were in the Sinai, in the Sinai Peninsula over there, that we gave it, the some reason, Israelis gave it away to the Egyptians for peace, but they fought over the land at the time. It's just a desert, there's nothing there. My grandfather was in one of the tanks in that Sinai Desert. And he said that this happened to his friend, they hear in the walkie-talkies that the Arabs, the Egyptians, ambushed one of their friends, the Israeli tanks. Now when you have all these Arab tanks around one Israeli IDF tank, you're in trouble. And they're screaming, Hatsalah, help us, help us. And my grandfather says, your is hearing this on the radio. They thought these guys are gone." It ends up being, after a few days they find out, the Baruch Hashem, they survived. No one died from that tank. What happened? Listen to the story. My grandma told me this. He said that the Israelis inside the tank, they gave up. They said, okay, we're not going to be saved. We're about to be, we're, we're dead. The Egyptians are about to bomb us, or we're gone. We're not going to get help. One of the drivers in the tank, he said, oh, let's turn to HaKadosh Baruch What did the They weren't religious. But they said, right now, you know, we're about to die. We're, you know, What's the famous line? Every atheist is a... Uh, no atheist no in a foxhole. No atheist in a foxhole. Thank you. They said, "Right now, you know, you gotta turn to Hashem. The Arabs are about to shoot. Let's do something." These people didn't even know Shema Yisrael, Hashem elokim, Hashem echad. Which, by the way, is not impossible. I have a relatives in Israel. I taught her Shema Yisrael, Hashem elokim, Hashem echad, the whole prayer. She didn't know, and she went to Israeli school in it Aviv. very scary. But they did not know Shema Yisrael. Okay, what do you know? One guy pops up in the Israeli tank, and he says, "Ah." I once went to a chabad rabbi for a meal and he screamed a certain Beracha. Let's all say it together. Okay. Baruch ata Hashem, and lokeinu Melech HaOlam, can you imagine the one in the tank? Hamotzi lechem minarets. Listen is Adabi Hamotzi lechem minarets. What happened? Baruch Hashem, the Israeli pilots, came. And Baruch Hashem, the Israeli tank, survived. This story my grandfather told me, who was in the war at the time. Does God not exist? Life is awesome, it's great. Okay, now let me tell you a story. About the power of a looking forward and building. There was a fellow, you know, there's a mitzvah to try to check your uh, tefillin. Every Elul, Chodesh Elul, coming up, September time. This older person puts on tefillin every single day, Baruch Hashem. He goes to the sofer, he sends one of his children to go check it with the sofer. The sofer checks his tefillin, he opens it up, Ayaya ay, tefillin is pasul. tefillin are no good now when you wear a tefillin that's with the part that's not written well every time you put on tefillin and you made a berachah, you made a blessing and you said God's name it's an averah, it's a so the boys, the son of this old man didn't know how to break the news to him they didn't want him to have a heart attack can you imagine going into a brother of the past who knows how many years when he put on tefillin it's it to tell them? the mitzvah didn't even count the boys are going back and forth, having an him. Okay, finally they go over to their father, the old man, and they tell him, listen, we want to tell you news. You know, here's a cup of water. I want to break the news to you. But unfortunately, we check into Tefillin, and uh, it was pursued. We don't know for how many years it was pursued, but definitely it was pursued the past year. And Bar Hashem the Sofair fixed it. What does the grandfather do? He gets up on his chair, and he starts dancing and thinking, Hashem. Tudah, Hashem, tudah. Thank you, Hashem, thank you, Hashem. The boys were shocked and surprised. They thought he's going to have a heart attack. You know, he's jumping and singing. What happened? He said, instead of complaining how much days I missed, not putting a tefillin, I want to thank Hashem for reminding me and telling me while in my life that it was not Pasusa, at least for now on, I can accomplish mitzvah tefillin properly. Look at this outlook, at the mindset of this old person, this healing The Don't look at what you already missed jump from happiness of how many opportunities you have while you're alive. Like the bet, it's open in the front, you always got to move forward, always got to build more Torah and more mitzvot, so much more to accomplish. Like Rabbi Akiva, always look forward, always build. And remember, the magic is to believe in yourselves, understand the power of the neshama that we have. And it's based on science, it's based on reality. We have a Jewish neshama. It's a powerful thing. Utilize it while you are alive to 120 years for Torah and mitzvot. And Hashem believes in every single one of us. When you cherish who you are, when you cherish every mitzvah that you have, when you look forward, you're going to be a happy person. It's going to build and grow more and more. Thank you so much for listening. (laughs)